Building better players. Building better games. This is playing the role. Welcome back to Playing the Role. I'm Nathan Stone here with Darcy Robinson. Hey! And Dylan Joseph Campbell. Nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm in a silly mood today. I think just our conversation before this got me in a silly mood. I'm all, I'm all loosey-goosey right here. It's all good. Honestly, that silly mood is infectious, I tells mm. you, because I am <laughs> feeling the I'm feeling just a little bit wacky myself here. Oh, good. Good, good. Well, boys, we have a great episode for everyone today, and that is One-Shot Wonders. So we're talking about one-shot games, kind of our favorite one-shot games, good situations for one-shots, and maybe some ideas on how people can incorporate one-shot games into their rotation, into their friend group, into their role-playing kind of life uh, because one shots offer a lot of fun advantages that you just don't get in bigger campaigns so we'll dive right into that before we get there though we have to do we don't have to do it but we want to do it because we have fun things to talk about so uh, <laughs> so much i want to do it yeah yeah we're all excited here uh new and noteworthy let's go let's go television 8 news Bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Well, the headlines tonight. Dungeon Master and Hobgoblins, Dwarves, Elves, and Havelings. New and noteworthy. All right. Well, boys, if you don't mind, I might start us off today because... I actually have things to talk about. Sometimes I feel like on this show, you guys have fun, awesome role-playing stuff, and I'm just like, man, I wish I was them. <laughs> but now you got something, eh? Oh, I got something. I got something concrete. And if you've listened to any of our past episodes, you might have heard me mention a game that I've been working on called Miss Atomic Bomb. This is a homebrewed game using the World of Darkness core rules. I think it's the World of Darkness 2.0 core rules and they they might be slightly out of date but the great thing about books physical actual books is once you have them you can use them forever uh, you don't actually have to move editions if you don't want to and uh, i didn't want to so i didn't and this game is set in the 1950s it's all about uh, adventures in atomic vegas so kind of that uh, era early 50s where uh you could see the mushroom clouds of the bombs uh it, you know over the strip uh it's a murder mystery players are fbi agents and they will be investigating a uh, a very suspicious death in the strip of of one of uh america's top nuclear physicists and uh so it's all about kind of a, a noir whodunit set under the neon lights of vegas i'm very excited because i actually have a player pack that I put together. And this is kind of a 10 page ish PDF that uh, introduces players to the setting, to the feel, uh, gives them some character ideas, some backgrounds, and uh, also gives them some character creation information. Although that's kind of teaser stuff because I always do character creation together as a group, uh, which is something that we've mentioned on this show before. So I've got that out to. Uh, three of uh, my my close friends that I role play with 
as well. I've also sent it to these two guys, mostly so I can get feedback on it because, uh, you know, I want uh, want their opinion. And um, hopefully we might might be recruiting uh, one uh, Darcy Robinson to, to come play FBI with us. So that'd be, that would be fantastic. And I want to so badly. Yeah. So I'm 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 over the moon about this. I'm really, really excited. And what I wanted to know is and I I've seen this from you firsthand, Dylan. And this is kind of the 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 player package thing, right? So you always kind of give your characters a narrative to to introduce players to the game, right? You you introduce them with that sort of thing. What do you guys how how is your feeling about player packages and kind of pre-prep to to get players into a game? How like I I know we're all kind of weirdo hardcore uh, <laughs> role players, <laughs> but honestly, I do think it's a great way for DMs to kind of get their own thoughts together. Because if you think about explaining the game to a player, you have to really think through, okay, how is this going to work? So it's something that I I kind of want to advocate for i've been uh living and dying a little bit by the mentality that players really only care about their characters right the world's nice and the other characters are great to interact with but at the end of the day they're here to play that character and they really want to do that and when i was making my setting right which i which i write these primers for the characters in i got really excited i did a whole dossier of like look at all this stuff you would know and it was just in my opinion, it was information vomit. It was too much, right? You overwhelm players with too much about the setting. And so that's where that's where those little primers come in. And for the dossier, I go, you can read this. Don't, but you can. Instead, let's work together and let me give you a little contextual thing all about you. It's only about you and you and you and you, you, you. And that's why I really liked your, your player packet, Nathan, because it was so concise. You, you put the information in there. It was really quick. It answered all my questions I had immediately. And not only that, it did something that I, I think I have to work on. As someone who's not really into uh, like realistic setting games, like in the real world Earth, mm-hmm. I was inspired by what you had in there. I'm like, I had a couple of ideas in my head. I'm like, I'm still probably... I'm not going to play simply because it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But if I was, you <laughs> this did a is what good I did. job of making me think about it, right? Yeah. I, I, I do think you've hit on a great point there that, as always, brevity is the soul of wit. And so you don't want to overwhelm people. And I think it's, that being said, it is kind of a judgment call. Because Dylan, when I, when you were getting me primed for your game, you gave me access to a wonderful Google Drive just full of maybe an infinite amount of information on on your game and the 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 background, the gods, the geography, the the politics, the history, the religions. And for someone like me, that was cool as hell because I want to dive into a world like that. But I think I think you're probably safer going for for someone who you you don't know is a sicko like I am. Uh, it, it, going with that more concise, more condensed, organized, just like hey, here's a little here's something to whet your appetite, right? The way Dylan described with the whole information vomit, uh, <laughs> I kind of put Dylan through that with uh, 
when, when he was when he was making a character for my campaign that I just started. Um, uh, I I felt bad, but at the same time, like oh, I, I, the more I talked about it, and the more I thought about it, I'm just like oh. Let me let me just throw a bunch of stuff at you here. Let me throw some characters you might know, some things that to to get the player immersed. I I got very overexcited with that. <laughs> well, well, Darcy, I think I think I might be coming from an angle of I you know I do new players. I do a lot of I have a lot of new people enter this hobby. Yeah, and so that's that's my angle, right? My angle True, is also actually. is always hmm. like don't overwhelm them. But you know, this isn't my first rodeo, so. Please vomit all over me with all that information. I guess. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> boy, we need to clip that. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Gosh, oh, with the no. fish talk last episode, <laughs> that might not smell too pleasant afterwards. <laughs> uh, but but I, uh, I'm very much that kind of person, which like, I've got to I've got to talk with the person through like, you know, some stuff that they may know. And I'll say like, oh, I like to tie characters to, to characters in that, in that regard. Um, so I, I give, I gave Dylan, for example, like a bunch of, like a, a list of characters that, uh, that he would know and the setting that he was, <laughs> and, and, everything everything that he would know about about his whole situation uh, i did that the most for him cuz cuz dylan's the kind of person absolutely that i can do that for um some of the other folks i give them you know some very limited information but based on like you know geography stuff that they stuff that they would have questions about stuff that they would know like basic geography uh a timeline big picture uh, for stuff. things and i had and, and another player in this campaign wrote i i kid you not a 96 page novella for a backstory excuse me <laughs> sorry hold I on about this. Did, i forgot about did this did you is that hyperbolous that must be no that, that is, is legitimately, that is literally 96 pages. 96 pages. Okay. A actual novella. Okay. It, it, I am a lot as a player. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to say it. Like I am a lot. I will, I will take what I am given and I will expand upon it. And I will probably overstep my bounds in terms of, of worming my, my weird ideas into your game. And even I think that's insane. Like flat out insane 96 pages he told me beforehand because this is the gentleman that would probably like write you know nine pages like nine to between nine and 20 pages generally uh which is you know far tamer but i but he said like legitimately he 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 asked me like what are your filters what do you how how much do you want and I literally, and this was probably my own doing. It sounds like you're about to tell us that you didn't put any reasonable limits on this man. I, I literally told him go nuts. Oh, shout out to our, our dearly departed boy, Emmett McIver. <laughs> Wherever you are, buddy. <laughs> it's a little oh radio, goodness, television, I journalism inside that. joke there, folks. But, uh, he is a legend, an absolute legend. <laughs> 
head. <laughs> <laughs> but but I told him I told him go nuts. I said like you know whatever content you want to put in there, I will not be offended by. I'm generally a really chill guy when it comes to content. I want to see what you do. And he came back to me with uh, with with 96 pages. Have you ever you've heard the expression giving someone enough rope to hang themselves, right? This is giving someone one enough rope to burn down the Roman Empire somehow. <laughs> like it just it doesn't make any sense. It just I could see a, I could see a DM writing a 96 page novella about their setting because that's you know that's what we do as dms we, we make stories in our heads and and 99 of those things are going to go nowhere right of like course, they're just yeah. they're just things for us so yeah if you're a dm and you just you write that down you want to go a little tolkien with it and you're just like i'm going to invent languages and, and stuff yeah go nuts with it but like as a player my my thing would be the longest i've ever written I think was it wasn't quite novella length, but it was probably uh, in the teens for pages for for like a backstory. And then I did it and I was very proud of myself for doing it. I was a teenager at the time and um, it wasn't a terrible backstory or anything. But then I like afterwards, I was like, oh, shit, like I should be more respectful of like the DM's time that I made read through all of this because he never asked for this. And I, I feel like. I would have a real problem handling handing someone a bound manuscript when they asked for my character ideas. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of got through that in only a couple sittings because uh, just slow days at work kind of thing. Like how many hours are we talking? It was like with a few hours each day, maybe like I want to say probably like three or four hours at a time. So maybe about over the course, I'd say so about 12 hours. I got to know, Darcy, the, the the longest stories I've been handed were from Nathan and this guy <laughs> as well, right? No, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, no I, those know. Were, I know. Those <laughs> were only six to three pages, right? That's fine. 90? How do you proofread that to make sure everything lines up? How do you go and addendum things and correct it? How do you go and incorporate everything? Well, I thought, see, I actually thought that was going to be a lot more difficult than I had imagined. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, this was a setting that I wasn't supposed to be in. Oh, God, this one again. This one. Yeah, it's this one. This, this, this whole situation continues to make me angrier and angrier each time it's brought up because it was foisted upon you and now you have people writing you novels i mean i was all for that because the literal notes i was given was just so fucking bare bones it was painful i was given nothing pretty much but a vague idea that didn't jive with anything else in the in the entire damn world so I did a lot of the legwork on that. Well, yeah, when you're scammed into being a DM, you you end up having to do I the legwork. Scammed, <laughs> yeah. like that's that's exactly it. And and so like you know what? With when I when I got handed that 96 page novella, I was thankful because at that point, someone else did some work, and you can use that now. <laughs> Wow, I when when you put it like that, I sound like an asshole. But like, no, no, I'm I'm saying we say this all the time on the show. Let your players do your work. Yeah, true. But the, but that's the thing. That's exactly it. It was like somebody else 
I, I told them, I told him what I had. And he went with that and he ran with it. And so as a result, I had I, I have so many little tidbits that I could incorporate into everything else. And that saved me a hell of a lot of time because I knew that he was taking care of that. And it ended up working really freaking well. So, you know, that and that's one of the main reasons why I said just go nuts because at the time I had a really vague idea of it and so did he but as we fleshed out our ideas side by side and you know whenever he'd have a question he'd ask me about it and it was and I'd give him an answer based on what I thought up at that point and he'd go with it and he'd write so much more as a result and he'd incorporate it he was very very cooperative and absolutely like 100% uh, 100% the most helpful player that I had aside from, well, like on par with Dylan. I mean, Dylan didn't write me a, a novella. Sure. But like I was, I was on the side with Dylan as well, talking through stuff that he was making me think of, which then as a result, I was able to, to relay and make sense of for everybody else. So like 96, 96 page novella guy, top two most helpful players easily. And I wanted to thank you on that too, I Dylan. Mean, yes. I think you're underselling this guy. I want to tell a little naughty. This goes against Dylan's code of conduct. Um, I didn't give Darcy a written backstory. <laughs> we just talked it out. We just verbal it all, the whole thing. It was all just verbatim. Uh, just like, sorry, word of mouth. And so as the guy who's like, I'm going to give you a backstory and you, you're going to get a, a primer. No, we just... We talked it out. You're underselling this guy. He's crazy <laughs> in the good way. No, but but at the same time, you're underselling yourself because you've you helped me through so much of that. When I started this, oh, I had no idea what I was gonna do with that. But you helped keep me sane through that as well. While I was while I was saying, like with this uh, with this novella, and you know what? We had our first session. Oh, we did. And it was how'd it go? It was it went really well for the most part. And it was I had like everything I had I had all these characters. They didn't know a whole lot about each other, but I had their stories intertwine in a way in a very dramatic way. Anyways, I wanted to I wanted to create a lot of drama with this group because it's like it's just so there's so much potential here. And so like 96 page novella man for example was a character that ended up reconstructing Dylan's character and ended up like experimenting on on his character and it's like ooh there's some tension there and it, just seeing that come to life it made me so freaking happy mm. it was a it was a bold open and i did not expect it to be as as hot as it was with all the all the all the tension between the members. Yeah. It was it was really fun for the most part. You know, aside from maybe like one player being a little problematic on that. Okay, well, see you you keep saying yeah for the most part and then you got to you got to you got to give us give us something here. What 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 was what was the downside? I mean, I made the whole I made a whole map in Tailspire thanks to 
thanks to Dylan's suggestion. Well, no, Dylan suggested that I not make a map and make and use something pre <laughs> and use some like uh, some pre-made assets. But I thought, nah, I, I have too too clear of a vision for this. But I made the map like I made it really big. It's a little bit tough for people to get around in initiative order when people were when some people got into combat, anyways. But there was one player who was moving weirdly. And I thought, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I don't use measurements. I, I don't, I'm just, I'm just eyeballing. I'm just eyeballing my speed. <laughs> and I was, uh, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, th 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 this is a guy that has DM'd for us. <laughs> this is, this is the guy who, who, whose setting this was supposed to be. Pardon? What do you mean? You're not going to use the measurement function that's so freaking simple to use with several different variations to do it, and you're not going to use it properly, and you're just going to, oh, I'm going to eyeball my dash action, and he moves like halfway across the damn map in a single turn. Like, no, absolutely not. That, that was, that was, uh, <laughs> hmm. I'm thinking of having a serious talk with that one. I, Darcy, I, I, I feel like this this man has victimized you time and time again at this point. Honestly, you're right. You are absolutely right, and I have come to this conclusion. And I'm 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 at my I'm at my limit with this one. I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm gonna do with this one going forward. But it's not gonna be much. Ultimate poetic justice would be you kicking him out of the game that he scammed you into running. And okay. then the rest of the players having a really good time. I was seriously, I was seriously considering this. I was seriously considering it. I was going to talk to him, and we got to, and like my my plan with that was to like you know to say like, okay, listen, you got to use your measurements properly. You made people feel uncomfortable because the entire mood of the thing changed when he said that too. As Dylan came to me afterwards, like, what the hell was that? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yeah, it was weird, and I was thinking about this a lot. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta deliver this man an ultimatum because, like, this isn't the only offense on this, and uh, so I'm thinking, uh, well, you can either, you can either play by my rules and accept what I've done, or uh, that's it. This isn't this isn't like your homebrewed rules. This is basic game mechanics, right? Like this That's isn't my, yeah exactly. Like it's not it's, even your rules. It's just like this is how the game functions. That's what I don't get. And and you know, it's also it's also kind of bullshit as well because this is the person who was like you know to DM you have to have basic measurements for for movement and stuff, which he held us to in the past. So I'm I think there's something else behind that, and I want to. Uh, I want to nip that in the bud as quickly as possible because we're one session in, so it's still really early. I can make changes to the roster if need be, <laughs> and uh, that that might be that might have to happen if 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 he refuses to go along with because because he doesn't change his opinion on anything, never does. Uh yes the the mark the mark of a of a true uh, a, a true adult is always. Always stick with, with your opinions, regardless of any information presented. 
Yeah, yeah, and throws uh, the the kind likely to throw tantrums and blame other people for misgivings. Wow, Darcy, there's so much drama here. There's always you're you're always just. I feel like you're I you're bringing the drama to, episode I... in episode out. Like I'm I'm here occasionally. I have something interesting happens, and then you just blow it away with like. I got a player who's also sort of a DM who conned me into running a game and now he's trying to ruin it, but I'll ruin him instead. And I'm just like, this is incredible. <laughs> like this is, man, I, now this I want to run a role-playing like a game opponent. about like your role-playing game and we all make characters and we all just, and it all falls apart and there's murder and mystery and uh, crime, intrigue, drama, forbidden love, maybe. I don't know. All sorts of stuff. Wild. <laughs> Wow, I would, I, I, I think I would prefer that version to the version I'm facing now. That's for sure. I don't mean to. I just wanna, I just wanna have a decent game. But you know what? I just, and, and it just comes out in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Darcy's out. therapy session. Therapy's expensive, so this is what so. we do instead. Yeah, <laughs> you make me realize that this isn't normal, and it's like, oh, okay, it is certainly not. Uh, so we have we have digressed wonderfully here. We're, I'm, yeah, I've apologized. Yeah. That's what's new and noteworthy yeah, yeah, with me, go. anyway. And we've, uh, we've basically yeah. covered my big stuff. So Dylan, why don't you wrap us up here? Oh, never a dull day in Darcyville. I love to see it. <laughs> um, my games have been going swimmingly. Whoa! I'll, I'll 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 I played in Darcy's right, which was nice. It's a change of place, not a not a not a setting I'm used to, but something I'm I'm getting used to, as well as. I'm trying out one of the one of the new classes from uh, this this third party source. I can't I can't recommend enough. If you're running fifth edition, please check out MCDM. Their their classes, the talent, the beast heart, the ill rigor, their monster book, flea mortals, great stuff. Helped me so much in my games. Every Tuesday, I've had a player on a trip. He's gone, and so what to do? What to do? Stop the game for a month or keep going? Of course, the show goes on. In my opinion. So I kept going. And that taught me a lot of interesting uh, things to consider when you do lose a player, not just the body on the table, right? There's no more hit points to be soaked up on the board, but the actual uh, social impact that player has on the group, right? Ah, yes. And so these these guys are, are, are back in a dungeon. I, Dylan loves his dungeon crawls. Uh, and they're, they're toughing it out. And between your between your traps and your combat encounters, a puzzle to spice things up. And lo and behold, the player who left just so happens to be very good at solving puzzles. The other two, if you can't break it or melt it, uh, shrug. You're done. Yep. So uh, that, that presented a lot of interesting challenges for me as a game master to think of alternative methods beyond just answering the puzzle, right? What I what I did for one of them this this room filled with gems a, a statue at the back with a plaque on its base said uh, only one gem may leave uh, face your doom if you take it out some it rhymed something like that uh, however I put next to the statue some uh, some iron bars no lock just sort of like like rebar and stone right so if the players are strong enough right they have a potion of giant strength they could pry them open and just bypass the puzzle they don't have to deal with it right. In doing so, of course, comes a whole series of uh, unpredictable events, such as the flame skull waiting on the other side to those who cheat the puzzle. But they like fighting, so it's okay. I almost lost a group of players that day. 
I have never watched a fight go so pear-shaped so fast. It was oh. wild. Barbarian went from 60 HP to zero instantaneously because Spectres, a low-level monster, uh, sap your vitality. And if you're out of a certain resource that you get when resting, they just kill you. And luckily, he's playing a type of barbarian to where he can resist death once. And that's when the party's like, okay, we gotta go. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs> and so they, they, they use all their resources. They skedaddle out of there. They had hired this little hireling, this uh, retainer to come in there with them because they were down a player, right? Great idea from the player. I didn't even think about that. I'm like, yeah, 100%. You can hire this thief to go in this dungeon with you. He did not have a get out of jail free card. So his soul is forever entombed in this dungeon, and it's their fault. F's in chat for that NPC. They live another day. I've also learned, I think I I, I realized, because I always do new players. I love running new players into the hobby. And with, with that comes a lot of transparency you need to have with them. And there's this old advice I heard that I loved forgot about and then re-fell in love with because of how good it is and these guys are very combat focused they love fighting things but they oftentimes almost die because of it and so i told them just because you roll initiative doesn't mean you have to fight and i watched their eyes sort of what <laughs> and i said i said yeah no initiative is just a declaration from either yourselves or your adversary of a potential fight Right? Things are slowing down because people have drawn sword. You can run away. <laughs> or you can talk them out of it. You can do anything you want. You don't have to fight. And that was very lovely to give them uh, that tidbit because they never thought of it like that. They thought, once we roll that dice, it, we're done. We have to kill the monster now. There's no other way around it. Like, no. This isn't just black and white. It's a gray area. And I got to see that in action a little bit to where my latest session I ran them through a, a wyvern encounter. And they're still down a player, which is another thing I might touch on later of readjust your readjust your your balancing when you're down a player and your social encounters because there's not a body on the field. Anyway, it was a hard one. It was intentionally a hard one because I was curious to see what they would do against a scarier threat. And to them, this is essentially the first dragon-like creature they've come across. And that's always that's always uh, you know, DD players baby's first dragon kill everyone's favorite and so the wyvern this is a tougher wyvern sort of like a wyvern like uh matron alpha something like that and i have it use lair actions to sort of hint you're in this thing's domain you're not supposed to be here right it uses its lair action right it acts territorial it doesn't go for the kill it tries to push them away it tries to fly them out right and eventually the barbarians, he's like, I can go, I can keep going. He's almost dead, but he doesn't care. He's always that type. But the warlock says, listen, I got three hit points and no spells. We should run. And I've never heard them say that. I've never heard them say, we should leave. And that was so wonderful as a new DM. The fight wasn't unwinnable. They got the wyvern to close to half. Wasn't going well. A couple of bad rolls really put them in the dumpster, right? It's a dangerous fight. Yeah. And so they said, we, we, we should go. And the barbarian said, well, why I want to agree with you, this, can't, this, this thing's faster than us. It can just chase us down. And mechanically, he's right. The wyvern is quicker than them. It can keep pace and kill them. But also, this isn't just a game about mechanics. 
the wyvern's a territorial animal. And so I told them that. I said, hey, full transparency, this is a beast. It can chase you down. Why would it? You're just where you're not supposed to be. And that was sort of me, the DM, a hint. Please live. <laughs> please please leave and fight another day. And, the, you know, they, they, they did that. And they left. And I had the wyvern pursue them a little bit. But once they were firmly away, I let them go. It had no need for them, right? It was not hungry. It just didn't want them there. And off they went to fight another day. And I can't believe after uh, almost six years of DMing soon that I'm still learning new things. That players still surprise me and that every new group I get, I not only improve how to teach them how to play, but they also teach me how to rethink scenarios. So... That's new and noteworthy with me. Mm, hells yeah! You never stop growing in this business. That's awesome. I love that story, Dylan. That's so nice. Um, I, I'm. It's fun hearing about your new players, especially over the course of this show, because I do. I feel like we have seen some growth there in terms of that. That first encounter. I think you you told us where they were fighting some undead. Yes. And that was the that was them learning, uh oh, things can hurt us. And now we're we're learning about options besides combat. And that's that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. All right, boys, let's hit on our actual discussion. I feel like we've done like four discussions already so far on this show, this episode. <laughs> but we have a we have a real one to talk about, one our, our favorite one shot games. So let's hit it. Listen to me very carefully. It's the discussion. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Listen up. All right. Now, I wanted to start off with our... And and now, I might have a little bit more experience with this than than you guys do, but I I definitely still want your opinions on this. Uh, What are your... And I, I know, Darcy, you've at least attempted one shot games. They, I only... I only know of one, and it turned into like a full campaign. But okay, uh, I I want to I, I I just want to say this real quick. Yeah. Um, by technicality, uh huh. I have successfully, as of this no. moment, what? run a six run three successful one shots. One of which Dylan was actually a part of. I guess so, Dylan. You can confirm yeah. this. Okay. On a technicality, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. technicality. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. It, and this is why I say by technicality, but let's. It was actually like proper one shot, <laughs> and we finished it in one session. Now this is. I know this is a place where we're we're going to going to differ. Darcy, are all of your one shots in D and D? Uh, currently, yes. Okay. Okay. And is that just? And I'm trying to kind of get to the reason, like reasons behind one shots. And I, I feel like for D&D, and I'm not not a, really a D&D player, so you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong here. But I feel like a lot of the time one shots for D&D are used for kind of trying things out in terms of, of character builds, in terms of, you know, uh, maybe monster ideas or things 
encounters and that kind of thing. Is it, yeah, does it serve that mechanical purpose alongside just like kind of being a fun thing to do with a few people? Oh boy, does it ever. Because a lot of the, because those one shots that I did do, it was very much to overhaul the way I was using mechanics. And I owe that to Mr. Campbell over here um, with his, uh, with his supply of the MCDM uh, <laughs> manual on that, because we, it, it, uh, it completely upended the way I did combat before. And I wanted to try out as many different ways about that as I could. I ran, I ra when I ran Dylan's one shot, as it were, it was, <laughs> it was three different encounters. Well, very different goals at that, because uh, I wanted to explore just what I could do and with everything. And it worked out so well. And that's just it. It's the stuff that I felt like I wanted to do that in any other scenario, it would take so long to get to that point as well. So that's that's generally why I wanted to run those one shots. I realized I realized the reason that whenever I would come up with like a, a one shot, as it were, even if it didn't end up being such, is because that's just it. I wanted to try out a new mechanic or a new monster or, you know, a, a, a new homebrew thing to see what I needed to improve on as well as what the players needed in order to in order to complete it. And I think so far, the ones I've successfully run on that have proven very successful with that. I, I was I was hoping you would add that perspective to this because it's totally opposite to to how and why I run one shots. But I feel like where D&D &D is is kind of the king of the castle for uh, RPGs that, you know, speaking to our audience, it makes a lot of sense because most of them will have played D&D and might be very attached to it, that you can still do one-shots in D&D, &D, and it can be great for your development as a, as a GM, as a player, and give you, yeah, give you more tools for your toolbox and more ideas and stuff. So that's awesome. It was the perfect, like, like I had written it for you. I didn't, for anyone, but he, <laughs> I, it was perfect, yeah. It just worked out so well, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan... I know you you are likewise you are a a D and D fan through and through. Um, what's your experience? I know you've played in one shots. Uh, have you run one shots? I not really. No, okay. Actually, I think I think my this one shots is something like solo games, and in the sense that they were up until recently, I had not done a lot of solo games, and so I lumped a bunch of solo games and I did them and I figured out how to do them. Uh, however, one shot says yet to get that uh, perspective from me because I I don't really one run one shots. Also, primarily because I don't think fifth edition is good for running one shots. Primarily because it's a monster fighting game and initiative takes hours. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a it very does. long time. I learned that the hard one shots way. in D D are very good for for going to higher levels. Which is you're just going to fight monsters, but that's because the game promise you promises you, oh, you can get to level twenty and you can go so high. Realistically, you're going to get to level eight and stop. But you know, you could get to level twenty. Don't you want to play our game? We didn't design it for that, but you can. <laughs> so play a one shot. And I'm not. I've I've run campaigns at that high level, and 
you know, the allure of running a high level one shot to me is nothing. I just, I think my eyes get tired. However, I'm going to uh, continue to sort of uh, shill them and be like, hey, please check out these great, awesome, awesome game designers. MCDM Productions uh, recently put out their first playtest for their upcoming RPG. Mm-hmm. Unnamed. Uh, this heroic, fantasy, cinematic, dramatic, right? And with it came a one-shot adventure with the bare bones of their system that has been sitting in my uh, file explorer for like a month now. And I've been like, I want to run this. This looks really cool. It's just a new system, right? And that's a, that's a lot of things uh, D&D players have to get out of is go try other systems. Do yes. something else mm-hmm. with it. And and it, it's funny because I was I was listening to one of their live streams recently. I think it was like 90% of their backers for this project were D&D players and had only played D&D. So for a lot of people, like myself, this is my first experience with a real other system. I've done, you know, I've, I've done Monster of the Week. I've looked into Morkborg. I haven't really played them to any great extent to where I would know their rules proficiently. And I want to. I want to run this one shot uh, of the MCDM RPG and I want to broaden my horizon and actually figure out how to properly do one shots. Yeah, you you touched on so much here, Dylan. I, I the the monopoly of of Dungeons and Dragons really isn't good for the role playing um, game community. It, it we should be living in a in a far more kind of diverse role playing environment than than we do. Uh, a lot of it is is marketing. It's the big name. It's it was the one that kind of started it all and and it's in popular culture D is role-playing that's it right so people find role-playing through D. the problem is how do you move them along right how do you how do you expand horizons not saying that you can't have a lot of fun and you have great times in D. obviously you can but yeah this that's a whole other episode i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into another side digression on that but it's yeah it's um it's really, really good. And and speaking as someone who very recently acquired both Morkborg and Monster of the Week, uh, they're they look like tremendously fun games to play. I'm I'm still I, I've read through both of them, and uh, they're they're things that I want to do. I think either one would be very, very good for a one shot. Morkborg because it's so inherently lethal, and uh, Monster of the Week is because it sets up to be an episodic thing. So you you basically do you could make very easily a single team uh, or sorry, a, a single session about a, a team finding and defeating a, a monster somewhere. And it's it's made for that kind of, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer esque kind of monster of the week. It, it it takes so much of its uh, inspiration from shows and from television that it follows a very recognizable arc in, in the way that you investigate monsters and the way that you defeat them, that it's pretty much made for one shots. So, um, yeah, it's it, it, it it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, you guys hit on such great points here that I, I feel like where I come from, it is one shots are the perfect way to do two things and both of these have been mentioned but i'm going to reiterate them because they're they're so important is to expand your horizon or to introduce new players to role playing 
D&D is a fine game. It's very crunchy in terms of numbers, uh, maybe more so than it needs to be. But at its heart, it's about fighting. And so you need to have a, a game system built around that. Role, a lot of role-playing games don't, and I think they capture more of the spirit of role-playing than D&D. Like, D&D can. There's nothing that says you can't make D&D into, like, the ultimate talking drama drama war or uh game but it doesn't have rules for that more than just kind of like role to do this type of thing right uh, whereas a lot of these other games have mechanics around social interactions that are far more elegant than what D has so doing these one shots what they'll what they allow you to do is is sample parts of the role playing community and uh, the games that you just don't get if you if you stick with D anD D and for new players something like uh, Lasers and Feelings, which is just a free one page RPG, is so much more approachable than Dungeons and Dragons. Like if if you're getting someone who has never played anything before, they've never even looked at a dice before. And and you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to teach you how to role play. Why are you reaching for a dungeon master manual, a player's handbook, right? Like you've got, you get a one page sheet of lasers and feelings and be like, all right, we're going to do some lasers. We're going to do some feelings. You're going to have a space adventure right now. You know, you actually touched on the, a, a very, a very um, important point within my uh my role playing experience uh because uh the reason that I was so intimidated by you know dming or even rping in general was because I saw those you know massive manuals that you just like oh here's everything here's here's the dm's guide here's the monster manual here's all your spells here's here's all this stuff and i'm like i i, I was my brain exploded just looking at it and i'm like i don't i don't I'm, i would never be prepared for that absolutely absolutely it's unreasonable to expect people to pick up dungeons and dragons as their first role playing game and people do Right. That was my first one. I'm sure it was your first as yep, well. Yep. And. But we're the exception, not the rule. Right. We're we're the sickos. <laughs> we're the sickos. We're the ones that we're the ones we're the people who were like, I don't want to learn to swim in the kiddie pool. I want to learn to swim in the ocean. Right. And that's not a good idea. It's not because most people are going to get intimidated. Most people are going to like maybe dip their toes in and be like, ah, oh, so much. It's it's you know, there's it's infinitely deep. It's it's so opaque. I can't see it. There's probably sharks. But a one page rule set and I'm, I'm making this more about one page games, but it's one shot uh, and, and with a simpler game. And it doesn't have to be a one page rule. Uh, Monster of the Week is simpler than D&D. Morkborg is simpler than D&D. There's a ton of games that aren't one pages that are much more appropriate for for one shot and introducing people. Those are those are the kiddie pool. Those are the ones. And it's not saying that they're not like deep, that they're, they're in some way inferior to Dungeons and Dragons because Dungeons and Dragons has so much crap that you will never need. Right. Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Because they're it's it's run by Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast. They have 
big profit quotas that they got to reach. So they got to got pumping out content, right? Smaller publishers, firstly, A, can't do that, and B, don't really need to. So D&D will give you books and books and books that you don't need. Cranking out magic and assembly line Because that's whimsy. how they profit. <laughs> yeah, because the thing about role-playing is that it's very cheap. Basically free. You know, if you have dice and dice are cheap, uh, you can you can role play. And hell, if you don't have dice, you can still role play. It's it's not it's a very hard thing to monetize. Right. Which is is why they they try their hardest to do that. Um, And I don't think it's ever going to really work out the way they want it to. But. Going on, Jesus, I'm just on tangents today. (laughs) But to to come back to some sort of a point here, you intro that that introductory that that first blush of of what is role playing? What is what is the spark? What is the the feelings? The philosophy behind role playing? You can get all of that from a very simple game done as a one shot, and you can hook someone that way. And I think that's one of the the absolute best things to use one shots for. Get your friends that have never even, you know, been in a basement before. And you just you just take them down there and they're like, why does it smell so musty? And you're like, Shh, now is time for role playing. And you, you just you have some fun. You have some fun. You do something simple. That's what I like one shots for. I'm so sorry. I need to I need to tell you this. It's Please. very important that a one shot is just a noncommittal session one. Because we're going to do the one shot tomorrow and then the next week and then the next week and we're on session 10. No, this is one shot number 10. (laughs) It's a campaign, you fools. You're playing the game. (laughs) You've been bamboozled. Okay. (laughs) Firstly, that is ingenious because I had had not really thought about that. But yeah, you are a thousand percent right. It is a very soft sell way to get people hooked and get people to fall in love with a setting and their characters and then they're like oh like we could do this again we could uh, maybe you know we could we could tell another there's more stories left to tell for these characters right oh yeah dylan i can see your horns i can see that that devilish wit that's because gosh you're free saturday well, it's just a one-time thing. Yeah. Come on over to my place. No hours. No Mm -hmm. commitments. And we don't even have to do it again. Oh, you really liked it? Oh, that's awesome. You get a text in the group chat you made for this one thing. When are we playing again? Oh, you want to do another one? Oh, 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 sign this contract. (laughs) This is why he's the mad wizard. (laughs) The first hit is always free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Honestly, that's how I should have gotten a lot of uh, our RTJ folk. I shouldn't have signed them up for a campaign. I should have signed them up for a one shot. Because that's basically what we've, what I've been trying to do with these folk is get a session every few months. And yeah. it, it's not session four after three months. It should just be one shot number three, mm-hmm. right? Should mm-hmm. just be that monster of the week that every once in a while, here's a basic quest line. Here's a three room dungeon. Here's a, here's a very obvious bad guy. You did it. You win. See you guys in a few months. Hope you had fun. Yeah, it's perfect for that absolutely perfect and you're you're kind of blurring the lines but i like that i like that where it's it's is it a campaign is it a one shot well it's kind of both right it's kind of whatever you need it to be yeah (laughs) 
I think one of the other situations that you'll find one shots very appropriate for, and I've always loved this so much, is if you go on a trip with friends or family that are predisposed, one shots are the most fun things to do around a campfire. And what you do, it's a campfire, it's dark, it's late, it's hard to read. You you don't do, you just do freeform. You just do a freeform little thing. Someone starts up. And I've, I've done this a thousand times with with friends and, and stuff over the years. But someone starts up and you just look at you look at your two friends at the campfire or wh- however many people you're there with. You are just like you're driving in your camper. It's late. <laughs> you're tired. The rain is pelting on, on the windshield and you, you just go with it. And you just like you have no ideas like you're, you're the DM, but you're just like you just you give them this scenario and then you just see how they react. And, and they're like am I me? And you're like, I don't know. Are you? And then, and then some people will be like, yeah, it's honestly, it's, it is the most pure form of role-playing and it's so much fun. But if you want to do it a little bit more organized, if you you go on a, so D and I like to go on cabin trips. Uh, We haven't done it in a couple of years, but we, we used to every summer book a cabin with some friends and we would, yeah, we would do like fun little games like that and they didn't really have to be anything specific they didn't you know they the the plots were always very i don't want to call them down to earth because you know there was monsters and madmen and stuff but it was always very like just a situation just a situation that you find yourselves in and it was so much fun because it was almost like a liminal space of of role-playing where you just you just pass through this fun little scenario by the campfire just to pass the time um so yeah like stuff like that is just it's so much fun and it it kind of deformalizes role-playing because there's a lot of formalities around this hobby you know it's, it's a lot of it comes from the scheduling right and a lot of it the logistics of getting things together and then if you're a, a gm you're preparing you're you're thinking about ideas you're trying to figure out how your players are going to mess up all of those ideas and then so much of it becomes very st- studious almost academic Right. Where we're, we're writing pages of notes or uh, in Darcy's case, he's has to edit a 96 page novel. And I think the beauty of of just deformalizing and just being like, no, 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 we're just going to like, I'm going to give you guys a scenario and let's just see how this plays out. I want to try that. It's the best. The way you're describing it makes it seem so attractive and so simplistic. And that's something. It's freedom, Darcy freedom i miss freedom (laughs) we all do that's why we do this podcast it is the forever gm catharsis therapy session podcast (laughs) i guess the last thing i wanted to say and because i've been talking way too much this episode but there are certain systems that are built specifically around one shot games and one that i've tried that i want to mention is dread Dread is a very silly uh, idea for a very kind of fun game. The idea is you have a GM and you have players uh, as normal, but you don't have character sheets. You don't have dice. You don't have anything like that. What you have is a Jenga tower. Eh? 
And any time that a character has to do something risky, they have to do something stressful, you know, anywhere where you would make them roll in a role-playing game generally, you get them to take a Jenga piece. And so as the one shot progresses and as things go on, everything gets more and more dangerous until someone knocks over the tower, at which point the character is dead. And so this is perfect for, uh, you know, the the classic kind of horror games, right? Something hunting you through an abandoned house or the woods or that kind of thing. And you're you're running and you're pulling and you you're coming up with ideas and you know, you know that there's a limited amount of pulls that you're gonna be able to pull off. So you tr- you're thinking and you're thinking. And these games, right, they're supposed to be fast, they're supposed to be punchy, and they're supposed to be lethal. And that's the type of game that obviously you can't do multiple sessions for right it's it's you know someone might survive that's 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 your 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 goal for this game and uh so i just wanted to throw that out there there's so many different kind of ways of role playing that one shots open up that we sort of miss otherwise right like things like that things that are either sillier or just just very different why do you have to give me all these ideas? <laughs> well, boys, uh, I want to open up the floor if you guys would like to say anything else about one-shot games here. But where we're about an hour in, we could also move on to our challenge. How are you guys feeling about our discussion so far? I think we need to focus on, just for a little bit, Yeah, we've been very, very looking for seeing the high praise of one-shots. But the, it does come with a few caveats. You do, you do lose true. a little bit mm-hmm. when you do decide to play a one shot. And uh, in my opinion, I think the, the biggest offender would be the uh, the love you could develop for a character and then never get to play it again. Oh, the tragedy to be condigned to one session. There's a silver lining. You could just use them in the next one or a different or a campaign. <gasps> sure. But this isn't about campaigns. This is about one shots. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, you're not going to have any long term consequences to anything you do. Right. If you're here for it's a one night story. Right. And so, so you kind of know that meta knowledge going in. Like at the end of the day, the, your fun can be spoiled a little bit if you're not ready to engross yourself in that. The now, the now, not the future. Don't think about what happens later. That doesn't matter. We're, we're caring about what's going on tonight. And for me, someone who always tries to think long term, that's, diff- that's a difficult mentality as a player to get into. It's why I'm almost a little resistant to a lot of one shots to where I go, oh, but it doesn't matter. That's quitter talk. Yeah, I actually have um, a story uh, in regards to this. I was part of a one shot once upon a time where my um, where one of my fellow players, like it was so informal. They didn't even she didn't even have a a name for her character. Uh, Because it was just like that, that informal because, you know, oh, nothing really matters. Sure. We're in a, you know, we're in a horror campaign. Everybody's turning into plants. But all the time as well, the DM was was kind of rushing everybody through it as well. Just like, okay, hurry it up. You got can't and did that constantly to the point where it's like, well, didn't have really have any chance to talk or speak with anything. It's like, so, well, what does it, what does it matter? And it felt, it felt rather hollow at the end of it. Is it like, do I really care what happens in this? 
So I, I get what you're saying on that. And I actually, I actually do agree. Well, that's why your example, Nathan, of Dread is so good. That's such a yes! good one-shot system because now you're forced to care because death is imminent. It's going to happen to someone, <laughs> oh, yes. right? And it could be you. You don't, and no one wants to die. No one wants to lose the game, quote unquote, by dying, right? Especially in a one-shot because you got one life. Mm-hmm. One, after that, you're done. There's no more longing thoughts of this character because they're gone. <laughs> you ruined it because Jenga. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, bring up some some very good points there. I think the the caring aspect is hard, but I think as as the GM, maybe that's and and maybe that's a cautionary tale that you know this isn't someone who role-playing is necessarily for if they can't get into this one shot right like if they can't name their character um when you said that darcy it was it brought me back i recently read the morkborg uh book and the the setting there is basically this this dying world right it's 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 literally in its twilight the the sun is missing like there's just this eerie twilight around it. There's a prophecy of doom. There's actually a way for the world to end in game because you are that close to the apocalypse. And uh, during character character creation is easy. It takes probably about three minutes. And the last step of character creation is they say, you can name your character if you wish. It won't save you. <laughs> that's the uh and wow. so you it just it just made me think of that and but i i do feel like if you're if you're the the gm for a one shot i think part of selling and getting people excited because let's face it as gm we're often hype men right we're we're our own marketing department when it comes to games i think you need to do something to get your players really excited about it um so for for one shots in the past we've done um and i say we like my friend group we've done kind of themed nights where we we were like kind of dress up a little bit we you know we make it into kind of a party that kind of thing and that way it's not just you you all show up right and and someone hands you this and then you're like okay we're gonna do this one shot tonight it's it's more of an event that way and i feel like that maybe in can inspire some buy-in um you do always risk the i'm never going to see this character again and that is that is a downside and there's really nothing you can do about that unfortunately except yeah use reuse the character if you want i don't think i've ever reused a character but you can reuse the character or um i think because i mean let's face it role-playing games are often uh, you know, they, they often die before their time. So when you think about it, any time could be the last time you play as a character, really, which is a little fatalistic, honestly, now that I've said it, and I, I feel a little <laughs> bit bad. But do keep that in mind. Cherish your characters, because you never know. <laughs> oh, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean it for this to end this way. Okay, wow. Wow. Just right in the heartstrings, Just Nathan. right in the heartstrings. <laughs> Um, the other disadvantage of a, uh, and this is an advantage and a disadvantage of a uh, a one shot is that because you are trying something new and something that probably most 
of your players haven't played before. I think there is a larger chance of things going a little bit unexpected or you could have trouble or things might just not land right you you might be doing a horror one and it's just just doesn't quite land because you're not used to the system and your players aren't really but that's also an advantage because you're like oh, okay well this isn't really for me or for my group right you you kind of have to all go in with a bit of an adventurous spirit and just be like let's see what happens because they're not all going to be winners hopefully they are but you know chances are if you if you do enough of them you'll stumble upon one or two that are duds um, but worst comes to worst, hopefully you spent a night doing weird role playing with your friends. So it's not all that bad. All right, gents, shall we take a quick break and, uh, we'll hit on our challenge. Hells yeah. Yeah. See you soon. Do you like stabbing the stand with a hunting knife while side-eyeing the wife of your stocky? Do you like sabotaging water slides to avenge your son? Have you or any of your co-workers incited criminal arson upon your person? Are you torn between two worlds, e.g. the life of a lawyer and that of a lifeguard? Then we implore you to listen to these curated clips. Take her under your wing. Guide her. Show her the way. See, the great lady's always been my mistress. Trevor Cole, shark fighter and virgin converter. Hey, you'll pass up one victim for another one. Not in my water or anywhere. You got that? Craig, why are you doing this to me? Damn it, now stop it. The poem? Tell me the poem. Like what? Like a power ski, man. If any of this or that was appealing to you, then you might be Baywatched. Are you challenging me? You challenge me. It's really hard. The challenge. Are you up for it? Welcome back. It's time for the challenge. Today we have a great one for you. This one is uh, something a little bit different. We're going to create basic one-shot campaigns. And we're going to do this together. We've we've all got kind of ideas rattling around in our heads, but we're going to we're going to try and uh, help each other flesh out this. And so each one must include a setting, a PC type. Uh, so, for example, adventurers, rebels, space goblins, whatever you want, uh, a main antagonist, a theme. So something like combat, survival or investigation and a secret sauce. So any kind of special game mechanic that adds to the fun and does something a little bit different. So leading us off today is Darcy. I've got two parts to this. First off, I've got a little, you know, a little blurb as like a preamble, I guess. Uh, and then I'll jump into like the the descriptors of it. When I was writing it, I figured this would be a cool way to uh, you know, set the stage as it were. So uh, here's what I got. Another change in writing style from Darcy. Oh man, who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> what? No way. Uh, but here we go. 
Are you looking for a chance to turn your life around and make it big? This could be your lucky day! Red Tail Horn Enterprises is looking for motivated adventurers to do a retrieval job worth hundreds of thousands of credits! Get the opportunity to explore a bountiful research lab hidden within the tropical world of Gorita 4, untouched by humanity for decades. And the best part? Aside from your assigned artifact, you get to keep whatever you find! Apply today at your local RTH offices. Applicants must be willing to work in dangerous conditions, including but not limited to extreme temperatures, sudden hell, flooding, hostile native insectoids, and volatile substances. RTH Enterprises is not responsible for accidental death or dismemberment during employment. All applicants welcome! I will never get tired of your your voices, Darcy. They're always so good. <laughs> so, so now allow me to uh, with that with that advertisement out of the way. <laughs> allow me to allow me to introduce the one shot proper here. <laughs> uh, the one shot I've dubbed Horde of the Flies. Oh, I like that. Um, yes. So this is a uh, this is a. Sci-fi sort of survival with, uh, with an emphasis on time, I suppose. The, the premise is you're a group of startup adventurers. You know, you're tasked with, you're landing on a planet to retrieve a, a really important, like, prototype from this abandoned research lab. The payment, a huge sum of money that would make you set for life. However, upon entering the atmosphere, your ship is hit by stray debris causing your ship to crash land on the planet's heavily forested surface and leaving you stranded. So now you have to find a way to collect the artifact in question and either repair your engine or find another way to escape altogether. All the while, you're fending off strange, you know, territorial insectoids that have, that have taken up residence in this research lab uh, and have amassed this horde which uh, you can choose to do a number of things with. In terms of an antagonist, that would be these uh, inhabitants, but that's one way you could go about it as well. You could also, you know, you could also join them if you decide. Who knows? It's up to you. But they will still probably try to attack you. Now, the secret sauce mechanics, as I mentioned, time. So, like, how I go about it, like every uh, how I would envision this, like every set amount of real time within this one shot, I don't know, something like 30 minutes to an hour. I don't know, depending on how long your session goes, the environment changes and a different environmental phenomenon occurs that you would roll for to submit so that you wouldn't even know what these players are in for until you roll for it. And that could be anything from like, you know, flash flooding or like temperatures rising to incendiary degrees or or anything like you know an earthquake but the that's something that you can like flesh out on your own or you can have some predetermined stuff and it just changes every every amount of real time to keep players on their toes and all the while as well speaking of time to add a sense of urgency it's like all the while you see up in the sky this meteor beginning to approach oh uh, and if the players don't escape in time it wipes out the entire lab and the environment around it and that way it remains a one shot these poor characters it's gone from bad to worse to terrible to awful <laughs> that's awesome Darcy, I love how 
instead of choosing a danger, you just said, yes, I will take all of them. How many dangers do you got? Let's go. <laughs> Why not? Just just go just go balls to the wall, see what happens. And like go nuts. Yeah. And and you know, just determined by time. You want to and when, you know, somebody somebody's like, "Oh, this is I can't do this anymore. It's too quick." Meteor, everybody's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, Darcy, it's one shots are great for eliminating what sessions what most campaigns or sessions have of that downtime right a lot of that sort of well i don't know what to do next or when the dm's gonna throw the next plot hook at us there's the the next the next hook's gonna come in about five minutes when the entire environment you've just become accustomed to has been deleted and now you are in the arctic tundra and you're wearing a skirt good luck by the way the skulls the sky is falling too much or no, 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 I, no, it's I good. love that. I think it it makes it so punchy, so fast paced, right? You 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 don't have time to breathe. You only have time to to react and be like, okay, gotta find a way out of this problem. Okay, gotta find a way out of this problem. Oh no, a meteor. And that's something I want to instill in players because every other game that I have run has been so slow paced because people go mulling over stuff and you know it takes people an hour sometimes to come to a decision on what to do next and I want to and I want them to I want to build that the muscle of like you know I'm in a stressful situation if I don't get out of this now we're all doomed and it's like there's there needs to be that sense of desperation there. And that's kind of what I want to teach players with this is to think on your feet. It's good improv and decision making training for players for sure. Right. Mm hmm. I, I really like that idea. And because pacing is so hard, right? Pacing is is the, the toughest part because you're. Only you only have very limited control over pacing unless you're willing to go to drastic measures. And I like that this game is all about drastic measures. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where what I went for in this to to instill that and to to you know to help them in the long run too with other games. And also it also help as a DM as well to to think like, okay, you have a set amount of time to get this out. And you gotta you gotta use that time. It's so in a way, it's it's the thing that kind of got me through school, weirdly enough, is is deadlines. In that, you know, I I know that's the last thing you folks want to hear after <laughs> after graduating, but it's like, but it, it it did help me a lot. Just you know, setting myself a deadline for something, and so I had to get shit done, and I wanna. And I feel like in this day and age, that's something a lot of people don't really use a lot of and don't really don't really know how to deal with. But this forces them in a way to deal with it. And if they don't get it, hey, you want to start that one shot up again? I have a real good feeling about this. And then it becomes a whole different game. And, you know, people start to think and they build and build and they grow from it. That's what I wanted to accomplish with this one. And also for myself, because I know pacing is an issue for myself. So excellent, Darcy. Excellent. Two birds, one stone. If <laughs> if you ever want to see players immediately go from zero to panic, 
put an egg timer or a chess clock on the table <gasps> and just start it when they're, they're trying to make a decision because they don't know why you've done that. All they see is that sand flowing through. I've had, I've used it and I've had it used on me to very good effect. It, it clears the mind because you're just like, what is going on? Oh no, oh no, oh no. That's genius. It's also evil. But use it for evil. So. You know what? Yeah. You know what? It's your job as a DM to be kind of evil. So you know what? Yes. Give all of that. Mm. Nathan, you've given me such good ideas. Darcy, mm. all your players, when they when you finish this session, they're all just going to be sweaty messes just being like, I don't know. I don't know. Did we do, Did we do good? Yes. I don't know. I will break them and reforge them into, into, into fucking greek gods by the time i'm done with them <laughs> i love that this has become darcy's boot camp i this is so good honestly darcy i don't really have any notes on this like you've got a really great a really great idea here and it's it's got it's got that special sauce it's it's well thought out it's got a real uh lethal company vibe to it it's yeah i love it really this all started because i wanted i had this idea in my head where like what if you give some? What if you give one of the inhabitants an item and they just said yippee and ran off with it? I like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's let's run with this. <laughs> that's that's where I went with that. All right, um, Dylan, notes? No notes. No, I think I think no you've notes. done an All excellent right. job, Darcy. I'm especially <laughs> Thank happy. You. With the notes. <laughs> I I I that came to me and it's just like. Oh, this is so good! It's it's a whole double reference. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I took a. Ooh, I was proud of that I took one. a. I, I gave my uh, creative writing a back seat. I don't have a cool little infomercial uh, <laughs> written out. Unlike Darcy, that was wonderful. I'm oh, just. I don't. We're getting either. our hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting our hands dirty right away. Uh, and you guys are going to see a few things that you've just brought up mirrored in this. Because I thought of it already. I thought Ooh. of it already. I don't have a name for it. So you can help me with that in a little bit. But I'll give you the premise. This is any large uh, metropolis city. It could be any setting. I like fantasy. I have a setting just for this. But like, you know, dealer's choice. Specifically, you need some sort of casino, some sort of place where people gamble, play cards, do whatever. Because we're doing a heist. It's a heist one shot, baby. Let's go. Classic. Never go wrong with a heist. The PC types. I went a little different here. We have, much like Miss Atomic uh, Bomb. Help me. No? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so smart. Uh, we have predefined roles. We have the mastermind, the muscle, the jack of all trades, and the professional. This is for four players. You can make more roles, but it works best with four people. Uh, I'll uh, I'll get to the villain, which is kind of the weaker aspect of this, because I want to I want to go right into uh, the themes and secret sauce. We have you know. Um, you have a you this planning, stealth, investigation, no combat. If you're if you're running a system that has combat, throw it out. You're not going to use it. We're looking for all social here, all intrigue, all going under, you know, passing by magic sensors or, you know, cameras, whatever. We want we want we want our players to think in this 
except for the end. We want a cinematic end, of course. We want something to go awry at the very end. And that's where the gimmick comes in. Each, and well, first and foremost, we put the hourglass on the table. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Each out-of-game hour is an in-game day. The players have three to five days to plan the heist. Good luck. That, uh, that sand is ticking by. You have three hours to come up with what equipment you're going to get. Start, you know, scout the outside of the building, get blueprints for the interior, find a driver or some sort of magical transport to get in and out. What are the access points? What's the security like? We're out of time. We have to go now. And whatever you come up with, whatever you decide, whatever you plan is the plan you get to do. And if it if it fails, we're going to watch you explode fantastically in the bank vault. We didn't prep the proper equipment to get this thing open. Just beat on it. The alarm's going off. The guards are rushing in. And here's the cool thing about this one shot. You can take a different group and just run it again. Because it's going to be different for every single person. Because it's all about how they use that precious time. The sand through that hourglass. And if if you have a particularly a particular group of players who are who are well thought out, who aren't here to just fight and they're here to use their brains and really get to the nitty-gritty of stuff, they'll slow down and they'll think and the heist will go out without a hitch. Uh my main issue is a proper villain. Uh, right, I kind of like maybe like a you have a benefactor perhaps supplying you a little bit, but twist if I villain. May- Yes, please, please. Yeah. You've set up the perfect unbeatable antagonist. Time. <laughs> oh. Time. Because if like the antagonist, the, the nominal antagonist could be, yeah, your benefactor who maybe has some, you know, he has he's gonna kill you. Maybe he's gonna kill you if you don't do the heist, right? He's got he's got your family or something, right? He's gonna do something terrible. So you're you're forced into this because you, you made some bad decisions or bad bets or something. But as far as the players are concerned, as far as what actually matters to this game, that egg timer, that is the most terrifying villain I think you could come up with. Honestly, and it, it brings me back to like basic writing, uh, basic, you know, English class in like, you know seventh or eighth grade when it's like there's three types of conflicts right there's man versus self man versus man man versus environment and that could very well be a man versus environment kind of thing (laughs) it's a very esoteric look at it and i love that idea nathan uh as well if you wanted a more if you wanted like a man versus man antagonist you know Maybe there's, you know, some kind of detective on your case or something of the sort. Someone that's like, you know, I'm going to, something's afoot here. I'm going to, I'm going to sniff these guys out that that could like, I don't know, maybe, you know, try to mess up the planning stages even or something of the sort. And then, you know, the cops come in and then it's, it's very open in that regard. Darcy, if I can yes and you for a second because i love that idea the antagonist if you want to do if you want to incorporate that that man versus man right you have so many options but 
have the antagonist change depending on the actions of the hour. So there is a detective on the case, but maybe one of the players goes and spends some time throwing him off the scent. And then he's out of the picture. But now maybe you've got a casino pit boss or something to deal with at the end, right? So you keep and you keep an ending where you confront someone. But who that someone is depends on choices that the players made to allocate those time resources early on. I love that. See, this is this is why you guys are great. I would have never. I have no <laughs> I, two two things. One, I forgot to mention. Because time is very important and sharing spotlight is difficult, each player has 15 minutes in that hour. They each oh, have a specific, so you, okay. you have, basically you have even, I mean, you could throw someone else more time if you wanted to, like, you know, the muscle would be like, I don't need much, you take it, boss. And he goes ahead and he takes 30 minutes instead, right? But that's so everything stays sort of, no one's yelling over each other and like, I want to do this, I want to do that. And it's like, shh. Your time will come, child. <laughs> the talking stick thing you were talking yes. about earlier. <laughs> uh, secondly, I got this idea from a Netflix show called Kaleidoscope, which was sort of marketed like you could watch any episode except for the last one in any order and the story would still make sense. And it was a high show and I really liked it. And then this was also at the same time I was making, you two know what this means, I was making the simulacrums of Anaya. Yes. And I just thought of all the ways things could change and the variables of this. And I've had this brewing in the back of my mind for a while. I do need one thing, though. And that's a name. I need a name for this thing, which is going to not be easy. It'll help you when, if you have a name of the establishment. Because mm, a lot of yes. movies, right, will, will be like the, the something or other job, right? Like it'll, yes. it'll be something like that. I, I think if you, if you go, if you f f make a fun like something something in world right so like uh what are those little like what are those little pack animals that or they're not pack animals but they the, the little gnome guy used for transport what is that thing do you remember when we were uh we were new to the city oh right um uh what was it oh rats Mm, I got What are you two talking about? I, no, no, there was the there was the guy, the guy that like was uh, that was harassing Gilvin and had like oh, this weird you're talking thing. To, you're talking about a Nair. Yes. yes. Oh, the Yows. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, the lucky Yow, yes. or like the golden Yow. Yeah, like fast times at the golden Yow. Another inspiration I have for this that might help for a name is a payday. Right, the Payday series of games where you literally, it's the heist game. You just do heist all the time, which is a great place to take inspiration from for this if you do bother to do it. Uh, and there's a classic casino heist called the Golden Grin Casino. And I always love the name of it because it's so evocative, right? That, 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 that grill of golden teeth that you could get at the end of it. Anyway, uh, a name will come in due time. You're right. Uh, with an established setting, it will it will make far more sense. Uh, but that's all. that's all I got. <laughs> No, it's fantastic, Dylan. Love it. All right. Well, uh, boy, I feel I feel like you guys have have done excellent, and I, I don't know that I necessarily have. Poppy. So <laughs> here's here's what we've got. All right. This is based on 1950s retro futurism. So basically, the way that they thought the future would be. Uh, oh, in, okay. in like the 1950s so it's it's very um it's very and this is this is sci-fi so it's i i took inspiration from movies like mars attacks 
uh, and like 1950s monster movies that I love so much. And uh, it's called Attack of the Crab Men from Mars. <laughs> so it's set in 2020. But this isn't our this isn't our world. This is a world that is is developed along quite differently. Um, the 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 space travel, the promise of the atomic era, all the the fifties and sixties technological advancements just kind of kept kept going, and uh, we have uh, in in twenty twenty, um, or I should say in nineteen fifty in the nineteen fifties, a mission was sent to Mars and uh to to explore the planet and and prepare for eventual human colonization but nothing was ever heard from them after the first few days now in 2020 uh earth has been invaded flying saucers from mars have have come and are laying waste and an army of crab men uh which are basically man-sized crabs in spacesuits they're here they're uh, they're messing the place up you and your your colleagues uh are on a desperate mission from nasa you're going to fly to mars and your goal is to try and find a way to uh to stop the attack of the crab men uh they you've located what nasa thinks is the uh the palace that where the crab emperor, the dark lord Carcinius lives. Ha <laughs> yes. Uh, and your team is to uh, infiltrate it and find a way uh, to to end the war. Whether that's destroying the the, the dark lord, um, stealing Martian tech, doing all sorts of of mischief, uh, and, and otherwise being a pain. Now, there is a catch, and this is something that that nobody. They, the, the players aren't going to know until they've landed on the planet. Anything, uh, so Mars is, is a very different place than, than what we had seen through our telescopes. Uh, it's, in fact, quite lush. It's very red still, but it's, it's quite lush. There are plants, there, are, there is water, uh, there's breathable air. And you, you land your, your ship and you, yeah, the, the players will start to explore outside of uh out of this palace unfortunately anything that lingers long in the martian uh ecosphere turns to crab oh. and thus is our time requirement so <laughs> the mechanic is as we go along um i will be rolling every probably 10 to 15 minutes uh, first to determine a random character, and then to determine a random body part. Uh, at which point it will carcinize and become crab. And if a character is loses uh, enough of their body, they get subsumed into the great crab hive mind. Because the dark secret of, of the crab men of Mars is that they were those first human colonists. And they have come to wreak their revenge on the world. It's very silly. <laughs> oh, the, the twist. That's awesome. I love retrofuturism. I love carcinization. You took my two favorite things and put them together. Okay. Yeah. 
I was gonna say this. <laughs> um, so the the game can end in a bunch of different ways. They can they can defeat the Dark Lord. They're you know if they do enough exploring, they can find kind of the the crab stockpile of of missiles and weapons and kind of turn them on Mars itself. They can all become crabs. Uh, so there's there's a bunch of there, I had a, ideas for a bunch of different like kind of ways that they could win or lose. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just thought it would be a fun, silly little thing. And, and that time requirement of like, you must destroy the, uh, the, the dark Lord and, and, and leave Mars or you're, you're all going to be crabs. Yeah. I, I, oh, I love that idea. I gotta know since this is retro futurism we're talking about, are we going to have like those Bucket ass robots that they saw and, that they would visioned or something. There's definitely like a few Robbie the robots go yes. walking around. Also, like everyone's got ray guns. It's very oh, yeah. absolutely yeah. yes. It's instead of like the 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 NASA helmets, it's it's like the classic bubble helmets with like the little things on top. Oh yeah, I I, I would I'd go full out. I love that stuff. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I guess the 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 theme of the game is probably exploration with a time limit like it, you can do combat with it and it's a little bit survival but i, I mostly want to kind of have them go through this weird crab palace and, and on mars and and get into hijinks right so it's a great way to design a dungeon that uh, you could do a whole lot of stuff with that too like thinking about retro futurism and whatnot you know oh you know you've got your You've got, oh, there's a tractor beam pulling you towards something or like, you know, there's a phaser beam, the trap that you could, that you would have to have to disable by, you know, reversing the polarity of the neutron flow. <laughs> I'm, I'm also thinking you could have a bunch of like hybrid crab things, like like hybrid crab animals to be like yes. big monstery things running oh my around goodness. there too. Everything um, returns to crab. Everything returns so to like, crab. You, so you could have like as well. Oh, you could have like a mascot, like a, like, you know, have a, <laughs> have a pet, you know, you know, like the first monkey in space or like <laughs> something of that sort. Or like, you know, the Soviet, that Soviet dog. Yes, to remember yes, that ended up on I'm Mars. To, mm. Now it's the pet of the, uh, the Dark Lord Carcinius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have so much fun with that. Like, experimenting with the different ways things return to crab. That'd be so horrifying. In the middle of the session, your friend turns to crab. Oh, no. Maybe you try to restrain them down, like talk some sense. No, don't you remember? Don't you remember, Ted, who you were? <laughs> Ooh. Like, I, that's a question. Is there a way to, like, separate one's mind from the crab hive mind? The like crab maybe you know fu- like uh like seven of nine from <laughs> maybe there is a crab cure and maybe that's hidden somewhere in the palace but the crabs don't use it because like it was it was done by those first humans and then they were like no we have we have become perfect now we like and it's just some abandoned part of like the original complex or something that this palace was built over and imagine and, oh, like you use that. Imagine you use that on like the crab emperor. And it's like, no, what have you oh. done? Oh, yes. <laughs> Ooh, there, there's so many good possibilities yeah. with that. My first inclination was to say this. This does exist. You find a single vial. And then it's just like, how how do you use it? So that. Oh, yeah. 
Or just, yeah, pour it on the emperor. Yeah, like, who knows? Or like, you know, if you, you have that one sample, maybe you maybe you try to replicate it or like... Take it back to Earth or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, like maybe that, that, that becomes, becomes an escape way. at that point. Yeah. yeah, who knows? There's so many different ways that people could do it. And I love how many possibilities you can have with this. I, I I love this. This was this was very much done in a like, oh, this would be silly and fun, but it's not something I would ever do to now that we've talked about it. I'm just like, oh, I wonder if I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and, you know, we all everybody we, we all went with some sort of time related uh, gimmick to this, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's kind of important when designing for a one shot. I think there needs to be. There needs to be a drop dead deadline because you literally have one for the game, right? You you have this one shot, you have however many hours you have, and it has to end um, because if it doesn't, well, then it becomes it becomes, you know, the shit that I dealt with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 the question being on this. You know, since, you know, we can't do the general, would these all work together in a party? But would these all work together in a sequence? Going through the ever-changing environs of Crab Mars as the meteor approaches to end it all to get to the Crab Casino <laughs> to find the Crab Emperor okay, Mob boss. You did that literally. I was, th- I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, oh. first, it, <laughs> you know, first it's like... You know, you're you're at a casino, and you know everything is everything. That's just isolated. And then you know, like you go to Mars, you liberate the crab people, and then you then you like re- branch out and explore the stars, and you find you find these other this other stuff. You know, it, it could. It, I don't know. That's that's just me spitballing here. But I think that would be an interesting like an interesting series of one shots. That's like that could be based in the same world. Like you know. Because, you know, the people in Vine are like insectoids, you know, that's all, basically that's almost crab in a way. So it's like maybe maybe that could be dealt with it. Can I offer a another possible scenario here? We start with mine. Go up. They fail and they all become crab. The crab civilization is very advanced. They have casinos. They decide to do a, a casino heist because they have no money. They have nowhere to live. They got to they got to they gotta get acclimatized to their new planet the heist goes wrong and that's where their last chance job off planet to avoid their uh their creditors comes in and so now you have crab explorers flying through the cosmos doing some lethal company just trying to make a go of it oh my god so much whiplash (laughs) This is why I love this podcast. <laughs> we did good work here today. We did yeah. good work. Yeah. <laughs> I think our brains all like carcinized by the end of that. We're fortuitous after that. Yeah. Well, well, boys, I, 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 I hate to end this because it's been so much fun, but we probably should. I, I give us all top marks. These were all fantastic. Uh, I thought mine was the weakest and I ended up being absolutely in love with it. So we have clearly done good here and uh yeah so that's it for this episode thank you so so much for listening and uh hopefully we've given you some ideas as we always say here these are our ocs please steal them please someone steal these ideas and do something ridiculous with them and then tell us about it um we would love that 
And uh, until next time, have a great week, everybody. See ya! Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to share the show with your friends, family, and that eldritch horror lurking just out of sight. You can connect with Playing the Role on Facebook to see upcoming challenges and news. 